0: Is male menopause real? You are listening to ReachMD, XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Jeffrey A. Walford. Dr. Walford is from Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, and the author of the article, Is Male Menopause Real? Dr. Walford, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable.
1: Thank you, it's nice to be here.
0: What is male menopause? Male menopause
1: is a it's a group of symptoms that result from an age associated deficiency in testosterone. What we know is that in all men, testosterone levels decrease or decline about 1 to 2% each year, and this starts at about age 30. If we use total testosterone levels for healthy younger men as the standard, 20% of all men eventually become deficient in testosterone by age 60 and by age 80 about half of all men become deficient in testosterone. So while this age-related deficiency in testosterone affects a large segment of our population, few of these men actually become symptomatic, and we would therefore say that they have male menopause. Why some men with the age-associated deficiency develop symptoms and others don't is unknown, and it's an area of ongoing research.
0: How is it similar to female menopause?
1: Well, the two processes are actually probably more different than they are similar but they both involve sex steroids. In female menopause, we talk about estrogen. Female menopause results from the dramatic and abrupt drop in estrogen that occurs over a brief period of time, months to years, and the circulating levels of the hormones fall significantly. All women go through this phenomenon. and It usually occurs in the late 40s to 50s, and all women develop symptoms and signs of this. In addition, there are also important clinical implications of the fall in estrogen, namely on reproductive, cardiovascular, and bone health. In contrast, male menopause results from a partial and gradual decrease in testosterone. Throughout the entire life cycle, testosterone is produced, but in lower and lower levels. And while all men experience this decreasing testosterone, it's really not until later in life, as I said, age 80, when the majority of men have testosterone levels, which we would consider to be subnormal. And again, out of this group of men, few actually develop symptoms. And I would say, you know, finally, unlike female menopause, the clinical implications of testosterone deficiency in aging men is unclear.
0: What are the symptoms of male menopause?
1: The symptoms of male menopause have a wide range, from the very subtle to the very striking. And the confusing part about this is that many of the symptoms are common in aging men with normal testosterone levels and many of the symptoms overlap with other symptoms of medical illness or depression. So let me say the most specific signs and symptoms of male menopause would be those of a clear androgen deficiency, reduced sexual desire and activity, decreased spontaneous erections, breast discomfort or gynecomastia, aspermia, and then some other things like low bone mineral density and fractures that would occur with minimal trauma, and even hot flashes and sweats. It's important to note that There are symptoms and signs which would be much less specific but are also associated with low testosterone levels, things like decreased energy and motivation, sleep disturbances, mild anemia, and increased body fat. Obviously, the more of these symptoms and signs that are present, especially in the first group that I mentioned, the more likely that there's a true androgen deficiency that's present.
0: How is it diagnosed?
1: Male menopause is diagnosed when the signs and symptoms of androgen deficiency occur in the right clinical context and are associated with persistently low levels of testosterone. Let me start by saying that because of the gradual manner in which testosterone declines, when we talk about male menopause, we're really looking at men who are over age 50. Certainly men who are younger than age 50 can develop low levels of testosterone, but the cause of those low levels of testosterone and the symptoms from those would not be from this normal age-associated process in male menopause. Close attention has to be paid to the evaluation of depression, um, acute or chronic illnesses, and even potential alcohol or substance abuse because all of these things can mimic the symptoms of low testosterone levels and also be associated with biochemically low levels of testosterone. For otherwise healthy men who have the appropriate symptoms, diagnosis takes place by measuring two morning levels of total testosterone. And those levels should be checked just about a week apart because there are normal variations in testosterone levels. If both of those values are below normal, the diagnosis of male menopause is more likely.
0: And what is the treatment?
1: The treatment for men who have the appropriate symptoms is testosterone supplementation. Now, testosterone supplementation is available in a variety of preparations, and those include gels, patches, buckle tablets, intramuscular injections, implantable pellets, and even, in some other countries, oral tablets. I'll just make a quick note about the oral tablets. Those are available in Europe, but because of some concerns about toxicity to the liver, they're not yet available in the United States. The most common preparations here are injections, patches, and gels, and I'll say a little bit about each of those. Intramuscular testosterone injections are usually given every one or two weeks, And these preparations are great because they achieve a high level of testosterone and they require only intermittent administration. The downsides are that they're injections and they have to be done in a medical setting, usually a doctor's office. And because they're administered intermittently, and especially when they're done every other week, men can experience some fluctuations in the symptoms that they occur as their testosterone levels go from normal to subnormal. The patches and gels are a little bit easier to use for men The patches are applied to the skin on a daily basis, and patients can do this at home. The primary downside of the patches is there's some skin irritation and that the patients need to wear a patch most of the day. The gels overcome this because the gels are absorbed after about 30 minutes, and then there's no sign that the man's using testosterone preparations. The major downside of the gel is that it's slightly more expensive than the other two modalities. I'll say that most expert groups recommend titrating testosterone, regardless of the preparation that's used, to achieve serum testosterone levels that are in the mid-normal range for healthy younger men, somewhere between 350 and 700 nanograms per deciliter.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. Jeffrey Walford discussing male menopause. Dr. Walford, who should be treated?
1: a difficult question to answer because we don't have all the information that we need. Relatively few randomized trials have been done examining the effects of testosterone in men who have male menopause, and there's yet to be a single study that's been big enough or has been been going on long enough uh, to allow for evaluation of the major clinical endpoints that we're really interested in, things like fractures, quality of life, uh, and safety. The studies that have been done are generally short. Uh, They generally have a small number of enrollees, and they include men who have either normal testosterone levels or men who are asymptomatic. And all of those things make the results a little bit more difficult to interpret. But within these studies, we can say a couple things. Within these trials, there's been no consistent benefit that has been shown for changes in sexual function, quality of life, depression, or cognition. So men with those symptoms likely will not get a lot of benefit from testosterone supplementation. There has been some examination of what happens to the bones. The benefit of bone density appears mixed. In some trials, bone density is preserved. In one or two trials, there's an increase in bone density. And in some, there's continued loss of bone mineral density. None of those trials have looked at whether testosterone prevents bone fractures. And then the most interesting trials have shown some mild increases in muscle mass and mild decreases in fat mass. Those same trials show that with that associated increase in muscle mass, there's actually only a small increase in strength, and that's usually limited to hand strength. There's no consistent changes in physical abilities or physical functioning, strength in the legs or in the arms or overall body weight. So I would say that with the absence of complete information, the consideration of who should be treated with testosterone supplementation really has to be done on an individualized basis and with close attention to the potential risks of treatment.
0: What are the risks of treatment?
1: Well, this is a really important question. And again, the long-term answer is unknown because many of the trials, or the trials that have been done, are generally short in duration. That being said, most experts agree that the primary risk of testosterone supplementation uh, is on the acceleration of prostate cancer and of the rarely occurring breast cancer in men. No trial has demonstrated that testosterone causes these cancers, but certainly if a man were to have either prostate or breast cancer, those would be absolute contraindications to starting testosterone supplementation. Aside from those malignancies, the short-term risk of testosterone therapy, and short-term is all we can comment on at this time, the short-term risks appear to be mild. It can increase fluid retention, so men who have untreated heart or renal failure shouldn't start testosterone supplementation. It can increase uh, the mass of red blood cells. So men who have pre-existing erythrocytosis shouldn't begin testosterone supplementation. And men who are at risk for erythrocytosis, particularly men who have COPD, they should be monitored very closely once they begin treatment. One risk that men are often concerned about when they start testosterone therapy is urinary symptoms. And while there are non-significant enlargements of the prostate that occur while a man is taking testosterone supplementation, There hasn't been any worsening of symptoms of benign prostatic hypertrophy that have been noted in the the many trials that have been done. I'd say that the most important aspect of avoiding the risks of testosterone supplementation are monitoring men very closely while they're on the treatment.
0: What types of follow-up tests should be done in men who are prescribed testosterone supplementation?
1: The types of tests that should be done are looking for complications of the testosterone therapy And it's important to establish baselines even before beginning the prescription. At that first visit, even before starting the testosterone, a prostate exam should be done, a PSA should be measured, hematocrit should be checked, and probably most importantly, the specific reason for starting treatment should be clarified. After starting the therapy, follow-up visits, follow-up tests should take place at three months, six months, 12 months, and then every year as long as the man's on the replacement therapy certainly if there's any concern that the patient has follow up should happen sooner than that at each of these visits the total testosterone should be rechecked the psa and hematocrit should be reassessed and a prostate exam should be repeated at least at the 3 month visit and then as appropriate based on age related guidelines at these visits also it's important to monitor for symptom relief because if the symptoms haven't markedly improved once the testosterone levels are normalized They should think about alternative diagnosis uh, in those men.
0: What's your take-home message?
1: I think my take-home message is that we don't know everything about male menopause, and we don't know everything about testosterone supplementation. We do know that testosterone levels decline over time, and in some men they can eventually fall to subnormal levels. But the implication of this decline is unclear in a lot of men. Some are going to have symptoms. But until we have larger-scale trials that are done, and until we have more information deciding on who is going to benefit and who could potentially be harmed by testosterone supplementation really has to be decided on an individual basis between the doctor
0: uh, and the patient. Dr. Walford, thank you for joining us to discuss male menopause.
1: It was my pleasure. Thank you for having
0: me. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD Library. Thank you for listening.